0: Jack, which is your favorite Jane Austen? Um, uh, I think it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. The wrestler. right, right. So he's a big fan of
1: Devony Lucer cool. then. Yeah, <laughs> he loved the making of Jane Austen. Um, yeah,
0: I don't know any. I I don't
1: know any. I <laughs> Hugh, I Grant. A Hugh Grant. <laughs> <do> you <laughs> That's one answer.
0: And welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the podcast that is a little bit like Mythbusters, but instead of blowing up toilets and safes and peeing in bottles, we uh, blow up Jane Austen and the Bronte sisters and see which of them cause the most debris. I am your host, Hannah Chapman, Team Austen. And I am your
1: host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte, and I agree with everything you just said, Hannah. Yeah, it's facts. That's what we do. Usually, yeah, usually I'm like caught off guard by your intros but that one this this is the one that's okay okay. (laughs) (laughs) that's the one I'm like yes yes indeed I was just nodding along
0: out of curiosity who does cause Hmm. the most debris
1: (sighs) Charlotte Bronte
0: she was small man I don't reckon there's a lot of debris there (sighs) but you know I reckon it's things that she said I reckon they were all chunks
1: I think Emily would physically cause the most debris. I think Charlotte with her mouth, you know, we're, I'm still reading articles. People are still sending me articles that are like, Charlotte Bronte said this. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. And then, I mean, how about I still can't get over that graffiti on the bathroom wall. Charlotte Bronte was like a man stealer. Oh, yeah, that was great, wasn't it? <laughs> that was, I was
0: like, oh my God. I wish that had been <laughs> Please. Me. What was good though is that everyone kept coming up and saying like, have you seen this? Mm-hmm. I was in a bar and there was this graffiti. Just in case you haven't heard the story, listeners, I was in a bar and
1: there's. I'll this post Charlotte the graffiti Bronte, on our Instagram.
0: Charlotte Bronte graffiti in the store, and basically all night at this event, everyone was like, "Hannah, have you? Uh, did you write that Charlotte Bronte graffiti on the toilet?" And I was like, "No, I'm going to go and have a look at it, but I'm going to wait until I naturally need to go. I don't want to like sure. be scrubbing around in that toilet for no good reason." Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did.
1: It was lo- I had a lovely time. It was that was great. Yeah. I think um, it said uh, Charlotte Bronte was a man-stealing troll. Yeah, and well, Anna I thought it's a troll. Said, Is this true? <laughs> it's a troll, but it it did say troll, troll, troll. Yeah. And I was like, well, technically, no, no, she didn't steal anyone's man. She just coveted other people's men. But you know, anyway, anyway. Um, I think people still have very strong feelings about Charlotte you know, 200 years later. So that's kind of amazing to me.
0: That's got nothing to do with physical debris after blowing someone up. Just just other kinds of debris. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't think you understand Mythbusters
1: at all. <laughs>
0: Have you seen that well, show?
1: <laughs> I haven't. But I will say this. Emily had the gun. How about that? Oh, Branwell probably caused the most debris. Yeah,
0: okay. No, you're right. Yeah. Branwell, yeah. Bronte. Yeah. Flannered everywhere.
1: Done. That's true. Fixed it. Uh, Branwell. The other day I started to feel like a little bit of sympathy towards Branwell. I was starting to like come over to Branwell's side.
0: But you say this to me once a week.
1: No, I, do I? You say it a lot
0: in private. Oh, I might be. Especially might after be it, we, did that, we did that great interview when you we were in Manchester.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely at
0: the end of that you were like, oh, Branwell.
1: And I was like, hmm. Someone bring the old Lauren back. Bring her back. Bring her back, yeah. (laughs) We
0: can't. We blew her up by accident. (laughs) Right? You're a robot replacement and you love Branwell.
1: I'm fake. I'm a fraud. So um, this week, not a Bronte episode. No. Austin, all the way. Let's go. Austin, all the way. Um, So this week... We are actually talking to Lauren Thompson, who is the uh, manager, I believe, at the Jane Austen Center, correct? Yeah. And um, this interview, we taped it a long time ago. We taped it kind of just after we got back from, I think, from Bath, which feels like a million years ago now. <laughs>
0: months and months and months ago.
1: Months and months ago. Um, so yeah, we've been kind of holding it on to it until the end of the season. It's a nice little episode. Um It's interesting kind of like thinking about the Jane Austen Center after we've been to Chawton as well, which we'll get deep into at the beginning of next season. Um, But just re-listening to this interview and like sort of, I'm also editing a little bit for the Chawton stuff for next season. Um, I just keep thinking about how great it would be to set a like sitcom or a novel in one of these like literary tourist sites. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Hannah, maybe we should get on that.
0: I, I think we should. And I think that one of us should play the lead, personally. We could get like a JJ Fox oh, like
1: Field. A, he could be like You want like a Netflix series. Yeah, I do.
0: I want uh what do you what do they call them? Like a min it's not a mini series, it's like a that they've invented a new word for them.
1: Oh, like what they're calling um big little lies, like limited series. A or limited something limited series. Like that. Yeah, it's a limited yeah. series. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm up for it. JJ Field uh
0: is the like the manager or the curator at this like dilapidated, unpopular literary home. And then you mm-hmm. get this like woman coming in and she is full of ideas, but she doesn't have a right, right, her heritage right. background. And uh everyone's fighting her. That's what oh. I that's what I think. That's what I think. And you've got like right. one of the volunteers is like related to the person, like they're a distant relative, and there's like a board members. Oh, yeah. and yeah, you've got like all of these people. Yeah, it's great. And all of the
1: volunteers, are shagging. They're shagging. <laughs> they're shagging <laughs> everywhere. Oh, we got that. But I they mean, always, it won't they be like, like a dust covered
0: That's the important thing. Because oh, good. Well, you have
1: to protect. You know,
0: they are conscientious. If anything, to a fault.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. BBC, Netflix, we're, we're ready for you. We have lots of ideas. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be
0: sponsored by Amazon
1: Prime. <laughs> exactly. Every well, I have
0: to say, delivered.
1: <laughs> I just kept thinking about it too when we were at Gaskell House too, because I was like, everyone there, I love all the volunteers so much, like, but they are all like such solid characters, yeah. you know? And I was like, oh my God, this is just like you guys are all TV ready.
0: I know. It's like they were they were born for it.
1: They were. They need like a reality show. Someone sort Se- it out. Pronto. Someone sort it out. Well, I mean, just wait a few weeks. We have an episode coming out featuring many of the volunteers. It'll be like um, a reality show, but for your ears. Less shagging. A lot less shagging, guys. There's really, Significant really zero even shagging. Amounts. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna go drink coffee. Let's jump into the interview. And um, we will talk at you when we get back. So do you live in Bath? I do.
2: I live in Bath and have done for the last uh, eight years now.
1: Okay. Is that how long you've been working at the Jane Austen Center?
2: No, I've been with the Jane Austen Centre for a little over five years now. I started working there um, to earn a bit of extra cash, actually, during university. Mm -hmm. And um, I was already quite a big fan of dressing up in costume anyway and uh, did most of my learning about Jane Austen, mainly through the job, because I didn't actually know a lot about her when I started. And Mm -hmm. when the learning process began, it kind the appreciation
1: just kind of took off from there. Oh, gotcha. So when you when you started working there, what were you doing?
2: Um, I was actually at university to study performing arts. And I I was into my third year when I started at Jane Austen. And um, I was sort of branching into um, into film studies. And mm-hmm. the Jane Austen Center always seemed pretty interesting to me because I, you know, because it'd be a fun place to work and you get to dress up in costume mm-hmm. every single day. So, oh, that'd be nice.
1: Yeah, those and, two fit hand in hand there.
2: <laughs> and because obviously I'd been at university doing everything on the theatre side, um, that really helped with, you know the tour guiding, because we speak to a variety of people um mm-hmm. from all over the world, great big groups, small groups, young, old, a uh, variety of people, so uh it made the experience very rewarding, actually,
1: yeah, absolutely now, um, what are you doing there now? Uh, today, I am a
2: staff supervisor at the Jane Austen Center, so I still lead the tours mm-hmm. as I've always done, but I also integrate um, new staff members when they come along and sort of um, give them guidance on running the tours, um, not just because um, we do a, a little sort of introduction at the beginning of the tours. We uh, we tell people a bit about Jane's life and family to start off their visit with us because we get a lot of people who are Jane fanatics or Janeites, as we like to call them. Um, but uh, we also get some people who have never even heard her name before. So mm-hmm. um, so in that respect, it's good to teach the guides, you know, how to interact with people with varying right. types of... And uh, and do let them know that if they ever do lead a tour with Jasna, um, to be intimidated because they know <laughs> everything. And uh, <laughs> I gave a tour, actually, to Jasnah in my, I want to say... It was somewhere in the first month that I started working for the center, and oh God, <laughs> I was absolutely terrified because they did um challenge me on a few points, rightly so, um mm-hmm. because I was still learning, but um my goodness, they're very, a very interesting bunch because they they you know they do really know their stuff
1: yeah, absolutely <laughs> so um yeah that is that must be hard to sort of accommodate all all knowledge levels there. Um, and I've done the tour, um, a couple of times, but you might want to just tell our listeners a little bit, like, you know, what the Jane Austen center is about and sort of how the tour works.
2: Yeah. So the Jane Austen center is a celebration of Jane Austen's time in Bath, which in some ways I think doesn't really get talked about a hell of a lot, because obviously when you think of Jane Austen, you think of, you know, her, her literary references in the countryside because she 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 sets a lot of her chief scenes in her books in the country Mm -hmm. and that's where she spent a lot of her life but there's a a massive impact that was made on her because of her time in Bath so that's what our exhibition is about Mm -hmm. Um, and we are as I say we start off the tour with a little introduction about Jane so whether you've come there uh, knowing nothing about her or loads about her then we try to you know, give everybody just a little story about her to begin with. And the rest of the tour is just a, a wonder um, through our exhibition, which is all informative about her time in the city, not just as a writer, but also as a visitor and as a resident as well, mm-hmm. um, because she had very various family connections with the city, and those experiences impacted on her writing, uh, namely, of course, for North and Persuasion, which are the two books that are set in the city, and those two books will be celebrating 200 years next year, so mm-hmm. being based in Bath next year's anniversary again is going to be a big year mm-hmm. for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, are, do you guys run the Jane Austen Festival, or tell me about the connection between the Jane Austen Festival and the Jane Austen Centre?
2: Well, the Jane Austen Festival was um, set up Sort of through the original team um, at the Jane Austen Centre, because okay. uh, the founder of the Jane Austen Centre is um, a man called David Baldock, and um, he was connected with uh, Jackie Herring, who is today still the the main festival organizer. Okay. And so, sort of collaborating together, that's how that's how it started. Um, and the Jane Austen Centre opened in 1999, and before before us, nobody was doing anything about Jane Austen in Bath. It was, it was completely, um, sort of ignored really. So through, you know, through the banding together of those like original people, Jackie and, um, and David and a couple of others, they, they kind of started everything together. Mm -hmm. And the tour back then was, I think, very different, um, to how it is now, because obviously I've only been with them for about five years, but the tour kind of went from being um, just a chance to, to chat to some people who were very knowledgeable about Jane Austen, maybe um, just having a sit-down talk, and then it kind of expanded into um, an interactive exhibition gradually mm-hmm. over the years, and then more and more we've added things that people can actually try out doing in the exhibition, so things like um you know learning the language of the fan or uh writing with a quill and ink trying on the costumes um and various other bits and pieces and it's it's really grown in the last in the last few years sorry my phone is is oh no worries yeah it's it's it's, it's um it has grown a lot um over the years Be it's very different to how it started out being because there's um because the guides are now obviously all in costume and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're very much part of the experience. Whereas in the past, they were, um, kind of, they were still guides, but they they, they didn't have the, um, the interactive, um, costume aspect of it. Gotcha.
1: And was the tea room then added on later on as well? I'm not quite sure when the tea room was added, but it
2: was later. Um, much later, because I don't think the building was quite as developed when they first opened it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it, it was definitely after. And the festival went from being of oh, something like maybe, maybe 50 to 100 people to today, when for our costume parade alone, we have over 600 people so it just keeps getting bigger and bigger all the time it's
1: intense i um i'm so sad i'm not there right now i was actually there in july which i try not to travel to the uk in july and august um just because it's so busy but yeah it's kind of inevitable this year but um i have been to the jane austen center in october i feel like bath in october is perfect (laughs) um That was a good time. Yeah, not too crowded, not too many tourists. When do you sort of recommend that people visit the Jane Austen Center? Uh, Just
2: like you said, anywhere between kind of end of September to March, Mm -hmm. um, because those are our winter periods and it is much quieter. Um, much, you know, much more of a sort of calm environment in, as opposed to our July and August time when we actually we actually extend our opening hours in July and August because it does get really busy. Um, and we have groups of up to 30 people every 20 minutes.
1: Oh, my um, gosh. These, that, that, <laughs> that,
2: that, that, that's what we can fit in, basically. We can't fit in any more than that, you know, because it's, right. it's a narrow narrow Georgian building. Um, Definitely not enough for much more than 30 people per tour. But uh, um, but we try we do try to fit in as as many as we can.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, I do like to ask everyone that comes on the show this, uh, your like your first experience with Jane Austen, um, which I'm usually is like around middle school or, you know, preteen years. Um, But yeah, when were you first introduced to her books? Well, I
2: um actually, I came into Jane Austen. She wasn't even on the curriculum when I was at school. Oh wow! Um, because I went to school in um called Bangor, which is in the sort of north eastern coast of uh, Northern Ireland, okay. close to Belfast. And Jane Austen never came up, like. Ever when I was at school, so um, she was very much non-existent to me in my teenage years. It wasn't until I sort of got into my early twenties that I -hmm. actually discovered Jane Austen, Mm -hmm. and um, and the job obviously the job with the Jane Austen Center kind of really um, just took everything off from there. Mm
1: -hmm. What was uh, Um, your, your? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh,
2: another thing that um, got me into Jane Austen actually is not the most reliable source and, and it's a it's an embarrassment really for me for when I started with the Jane Austen Center because when I began they do ask they did ask you you know how much do you know about the author I mean mm-hmm. they don't ask that you know everything when you start but they do they are curious about what you know and the only stuff that I did know at the time um had mainly come from becoming jane okay which um which you know for those people who have seen the movie it is a lovely film but not to be too heavily relied upon in terms of actual fact right um because they do dramatize quite a lot of it um thankfully i got some things right um i got i got the names of uh two of her brothers i got henry and i got uh george mm-hmm. and um i did mention tom lefroy um, thankfully i didn't state that they tried to elope as fact because that might have been frowned upon right but um yeah, I mean uh, becoming Jane as I say again you know it's it is a beautiful film, but it it was dramatized too much so when I started, I was kind of basing my knowledge on that, which probably wasn't the wise thing to do um but then, when I actually got the job um obviously they they launch they tell you to launch into research um we're all given a certain amount of facts that we need to cover mm-hmm. but we're all encouraged to do our own research and i think what really really drew me in was just the was reading about jane's family life i think that's what made me start loving her the most really just being fascinated by the by the type of family that she grew up in and um and you know despite prejudice and adversity she turned into this writer because of them really And I think that's what really drew me into it
1: nice I um I will say when I do ask people that question it is very 50 50 like People are like, I, you know, was given this in middle school and that, or my mother gave me this book or it was a film introduction. So.
2: so The film
1: technically. Yeah. 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 So (laughs) it's, it's pretty normal and everyone always goes, I'm embarrassed to say, but Sense and Sensibility was like the movie. It was my first introduction. Yes. And I, I think that's great as you know, any way that you come to it, I think is fantastic. Um so what is your favorite Jane Austen book? What's the one that you come back to?
2: Uh it's got to be Pride and Prejudice really, which uh, which almost almost sounds cliché, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, Pride and Prejudice is just so wonderful in in the simplicity of its humor. Like it's just such mm-hmm. an enjoyable um book to read because of its social commentary you know it's 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 so it's so light and it's funny mrs bennett is a character that i could just read over and over because she just makes me laugh all the time um it's and it's actually not because of mr darcy i I don't think that he's the top male in out of the six novels um he's he's not the reason that i'm drawn to pride and prejudice Mm -hmm. ironically because he's the reason that draws most people to Pride and Prejudice. But um, from my experience talking to many, many Jane Austen fans over the years, um, Captain Wentworth is the one male character who could truly threaten Mr. Darcy's top favourite spot and kind of knock him off his pedestal.
1: Absolutely. Um, We're big Wentworth fans over here. He's our top man. Yeah, I would say definitely in terms of romance, Wentworth wins it. Mm Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. You know, cause he, he is, he is definitely, um, the most romantic out of the six and, um, but people can't seem to Colin Firth in the wet shirt, perhaps from Mr. Darcy. Maybe that's why. They
1: love it. They love the wet shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even in the book. No, not at all. <laughs> if they're looking for it in the book, they're going to be disappointed. Um... What are some of, like, the common misconceptions that you get on tours from from people, you know? Oh, we've had all sorts. Um, I've had people confuse North
2: Abbey with Downton Abbey before.
1: Oh, nice.
2: Um, claiming, you know, some people um, don't realize the era sometimes as well, um, like – like the Brontes, the Brontes and Jane were quite cl- close together. Mm-hmm. Might have been responsible for killing her. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kind of had to um, just calmly explain that you know, even though our dear Charlotte was not a fan of Jane's writing, she was three years old when she died. So yeah, I think we can safely rule her out. I think that's I think that's the funniest question I've maybe had in recent years. I had something quite cute recently, and it does involve my um, fiance, who sat next door actually, um, Mm -hmm. because he's never read a Jane Austen novel before. But he does ask me questions about them sometimes, and he said, "Is it kind of like the Marvel comic book universe? Is is Mr. Darcy like Nick Fury? Does he show up in all of the books?"
1: Oh, that's fantastic! (laughs) I did have to, I did have to laugh. I thought that was very cute. (laughs) What is your favorite sort of Jane Austen fact that you like to include in the tour or, you know, something that you you like to get across to your visitors?
2: There's two. There's two of them, actually. Um, The first one is to do with Jane's love life, I think, because a lot of people come with expectations that because of how Jane writes and her themes of romance and marriage in her books, She must have a lot of experience in it Mm -hmm. when actually when it comes to the topic of Jane's prospects for marriage. um, I actually do this thing in my talk where I uh, where I ask people, you know, place your bets. If anybody could take a stabbing guess at how long Jane was actually engaged for, what would you what would your guess be? And sometimes uh, you you get a fan in the room who will get it right. But some people will say, you know, uh, was it? was it a year? Was it six months? Was it, uh, was it seven years? But then when you tell them it was one night, it always gets the, the biggest reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always really, really enjoyable to see how much that surprises people. Um, I think that's one part of my talk that I always enjoy, which is why I've never changed it. That's the one bit of my, of my tour guiding that I've, that I've never wanted to take away because it's just always such a highlight. Another one is actually one that I learned recently, um, something that I wasn't aware of. I actually learned this from um, from our doorman, who you might have met, actually, I don't know, during your visit. Um, oh, yeah, gentleman... he's, he's on the last episode. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, oh, I, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I'll have to have, a, I'll have to ask him how it, how it went and listen to it myself. Um, he didn't tell me, but... Um, <laughs> We, we know him know him as Martin, um, but of course, a lot of people know him as Mr. Bennett. And I heard him talking to a customer the other day. They were talking about um, about Jane Austen's death. And he started mentioning her burial. And the bit that I found interesting was that apparently Jane had white nails hammered into her coffin, which is what they did if you were a spinster. And I just thought that was hilarious because not only was she so bluntly identified as a spinster in life, she also had to be identified as that in death. I right. just thought it was really quite comedic about that.
1: That's um, that is really interesting because also um, I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um, like when Charlotte Bronte got married, it was you know on her marriage certificate she was identified as a spinster and i'm like you know not only was she a famous author at this point yes. but she's also getting married and yeah like, like we have but to identify think, her as a spinster you guys
2: yeah i think it was, it was something it was definitely something to do with age you were yeah. a spinster by by 27 back then and it's why i have a lot of sympathy for mrs bennett in pride and prejudice because you know, a lot of people perceive her to be ridiculous, but I can sort of see why she shoves her daughters out into society. Because if she doesn't secure her daughters with a husband, then there's not really a lot, a lot she can do. So I can, yeah. I, I really sympathize re- with Mrs. Bennett and Mrs. Austin as a mother um, of the time. And, you know, that's, I can sort of see why some people draw some parallels between. Jane Austen and the Brontes in that respect as well. Yeah.
1: How many costumes do you have to get you through a work week?
2: Well, um, I haven't. uh, Basically, I kind of split my time um, two different places at the moment. So I I am at Jane Austen most of the week. So Mm. I actually get through the week very easily with just the one costume. Okay. Um, But some of the other girls are are there much more frequently than I am. So I think most of us get by with just just one or two dresses really because okay. it's not not a very active job, you know, mm-hmm. we're not we're not sprinting up and down the steps or <laughs> anything right. like that. But um yeah, all the girls um and the guys as well, they get their own individual costumes whereas in the past when I started everybody was wearing the same patterns and we didn't have uh, our own chosen character names back then either we we had you know just our regular regular names, so when they brought in the characters, um, that made things a lot more exciting. Originally, they tried to assign characters to us mm-hmm. based on, based on opinion, which didn't go down too well. I think we all swapped our badges immediately <laughs> <laughs> after after we were given them. Um, and now it's um, now everybody just gets to choose whichever character they want, which um, which works really well, because I think everybody identifies with a singular Jane Austen character in mm-hmm. one way or another, especially if they're a fan. I right. think there's just one, there's one heroine or hero or, you know, even even the smaller characters who, you know, that they're they're the reason they that you're brought back to the book. So many times. Now, which character are you? At work, I um, get to wear the Lizzie Bennet badge, which um, wasn't actually available to me to me straight away. Somebody else had it. Oh, um, yeah, sure and that's so that's like I, the
1: one people fight over, right?
2: Well, originally they weren't actually going to include Lizzie Bennet at all because they thought it would it would actually cause you know a cat fight or something, and mm-hmm. like right, right in the middle of work. Um, but eventually, you know the you know my boss at the time broke down and said, Fine, we'll get a Lizzie Bennett badge. And then somebody else grabbed it before I could. <laughs> so I wait I waited very patiently and um eventually the, the badge became available again. But before that I was um happily wearing the Georgiana Darcy badge, which was fine. Oh nice. Me.
1: Okay. Interesting. So the will people ask you questions as Lizzie Bennett as your character.
2: Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we do get to, you know, we're, we're encouraged to introduce ourselves mm-hmm. as the characters when people arrive because it's just another part of the, you know, of the experience of, of, of being at the center and, you know, you get to walk away from, from the building saying, Oh, I had a Jane Austen tour with Lizzie Bennett today. What are the odds? Right. So yeah, it's, um, we do sometimes get questions, um, about the characters. I get, I get asked quite a lot if that's my real name, um, <laughs> and you know, I, I feel I feel really mean when I tell people that it's not. Um, right. <laughs> but um, you know, as or, or sometimes I might just answer yes. My my name is Lizzie Bennett for today. Yes, yes, right. it is.
1: Now I do have a question for Georgiana.
2: Yes. Okay.
1: I mean, I really want to know what that table design looks like.
2: That table <laughs> design. <laughs>
1: I'm obsessed with
2: uh, it. <laughs> I want to imagine that it is a a small chairside wooden piece mm. with perhaps a little um, silk section on the top, embroidered with uh, with flowers and many many pretty things.
1: That's an excellent Um, answer.
0: (laughs)
2: um, Because, you know, I imagine something, you know, a a a dainty table for dainty fingers, I think, is really the the visual I'm going to go with.
0: Man, it is so weird hearing about the place that you used to work (laughs) and, like, how... (laughs) different it is and also how like your colleague who's like at the same level as you (laughs) is now the manager Mm -hmm. like it's interesting it is interesting yeah
1: I can only imagine like if someone just went out and did an interview with like people that I used to work with at the art institute and like yeah that would be that would be very interesting it's
0: funny because when I when I was listening um I was I remember I worked there when like there there there's this big overhaul and the dressing up section was introduced and the um, calligraphy writing section was introduced. Mm -hmm. And there was, there was a buzz. There was this excitement to it. I think, I think when you work um, in that sort of environment and you see people interacting with an exhibition every day, it's, it is very exciting to know that there's going to be something new (laughs) to see because as much as people are there looking at that, you're kind of looking at the people who are there right uh, and i i used to have i used to have great fun my favorite my favorite part of the job was doing the talks and then being in the exhibition especially if you were in the exhibition with the group that you just done the talk for because oh, i felt like nice. you, you built up a relationship one woman tried to give me like five pounds and tips she just like
1: slid these five oh. pounds coins towards me um, to be fair, I would have tipped you too. You were very good at speaking you. about Jane Austen.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so when they when they pulled in the dressing up section, uh, suddenly you've got people like trying everything on and you're helping them into it and you're kind of trying mm-hmm. to encourage the more shy people to get into the costumes. You're trying to encourage the less shy people to get out of them so that other people can have a go. And there, right. there's all these little corners. So there's the mock-up of the haberdashers shop and, like, saying to people, like, don't just have your picture taken here. Like, go and have it taken in front of that little shop. Or if you want, you can mm-hmm. go around the corner and sit at the desk and hold the quill and, you know, and just trying to, like, bring bring people out of it. And I don't know if yeah. that's just because I think certainly my generation, like, our generation grew up at museums where in- interaction, beca- I think, has become more of a thing when you're a child. Right. And then so if you grew up interacting with museums like that, then that's it's kind of what you want.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Like I know my parents, I think it's what you want to just read. But I I wanna play. I wanna play with stuff. I wanna like experience it.
1: Yeah. Well I mean you learn more that way too, right? I mean by touching and feeling and yeah. like actually, you know, bringing the history like into your own personal space and um yeah otherwise you're just reading just reading a little note card. And you're looking at something behind glass, and it just feels aloof and out of reach and out of time. And oh my god, yeah, no, I at Christmas. I do think
0: that's. There used to be these little cakes, mm-hmm. and mold wine. I it was like, I think it's alcohol-free mold wine. Oh, it's great. Okay. Oh, it's. Oh, <laughs> it smelled great. I used to eat so many of the cakes. They can't fire me now. I used to eat so many of the cakes, Lauren. I used to. Oh, just them. just pocket them on the side. Yeah. Have you have yeah. you seen the Muppets Christmas Carol?
1: Of course I have.
0: So you know when Miss Piggy's eating the chestnuts, and she yeah. Likes hands <laughs> that was just me. Someone would
1: like appear and I'd go <laughs> and I'd be like, ah, 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 like mouth. To be fair, full of That's biscuits. totally like our experience at Gaskell House. Which can I say, I was so happy to be in England around Christmas time because oh. it was just like all Christmas markets and lights and mulled wine and. And mincemeat pies. It's not min- which I no. It's not mince pies. It's just it's not mincemeat. It's, meat. Mince it's just mince. Meat. We call it meat over here. Well, it is what it is. But sorry, the mince pie. It's a mince pie. Because if you there say- were so many of them, yeah, I ate. So I, I didn't I eat I one. Of them. <laughs> well, we had that running joke where like I wouldn't eat one, but you would. And I don't have anything against them. I just I wasn't in the mood. I feel like you. I, f- I th- you were doing a bit. I was doing a bit. Yeah. By well, it was just because so many people were offering me pies. I was like, how many people are going to offer me pies today?
0: I just, I, ne- I didn't stop eating. I think the volunteers must have thought that you weren't feeding me when we
1: left. Probably. Because every Probably.
0: second I was like eating a sandwich or a slice of cake or a chocolate or a biscuit or a crisp. It was all great stuff too. All great. All great. Dreaming of that orange cake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so... I remember when I saw you at the Jane Austen Center, you did not have... You were just Hannah giving a presentation. Well, I was Penny. So you weren't... Oh, you were Penny.
0: Okay. Yeah, because there wasn't a Hannah name badge. And I can't remember why, but they wouldn't make me one. Um, and so I was Penny for a very long time. Was Penny
1: just like an old employee?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Penny got a name badge made. I didn't. Because <laughs> at first I was like, is Penny some sort of character? Like, who well, is Penny? I treated Penny a bit like a character because, of course, there was that. Did you? I had that internal struggle with my dirt or death attitude where sure. they, we were encouraged. So when the, when the new uniforms came in, cause when I started, I was wearing this blue dress and it had like three quarter length sleeves and I'm like a fair, like I'm like tall ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was far too short. It's like mid calf length. Uh, there oh, was geez. a lot of bust on display. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and it was very thin so it's quite cold and then they mm-hmm. uh, had these new dresses made and they were kind of made for us which okay. was like our measurements were taken and this was um everyone did still wear the same costume at that point it's just they were made for you if you worked there at, at the time i think that's like a good time to work there when they go through mm-hmm. the costume change because then you got one that was made like to your measurements Uh, And then that dress was pink and it had a white sash and it was longer and it was lined. And it was just like a lot, it was a lot better. But Mm -hmm. they also had all of these like accessories, so like a little pearl hairband or pearl earrings or a pearl necklace or that you were kind of expected to dress your hair and to dress like you were a young woman of fashion or of like substance, I guess. And in the dressing up section, there were these little cotton hats, these little caps and um like muslin triangles so I'd like tie the muslin
1: around and I like, would put the little cap on and I just wanted to be a servant all the live long day I'm sure you did I was about to say like you're supposed to be sort of like a fashionable young lady maybe someone who is of Jane's economic background I'm yeah. guessing yeah but you were like no I would actually like to be a servant ladies maid. <laughs>
0: just bustling around doing laundry
1: yeah just make everyone feel uncomfortable why does that make everyone feel uncomfortable i think also it just like it it takes away a fantasy element right you know just like oh yeah the reality of this time is not great for women i think i don't know i think i just like a different part of history too. <laughs> i know i like your part of history as well <laughs> Cause like I just think like when and like correct me if I'm wrong. I think that there's a lot of people that go to the Jane Austen Center that have an element of fantasy that they're looking to yeah, fulfill absolutely. for the Regency well, era. A, a lot yeah. of people go because,
0: um, well, because I've seen the films. To be honest, right? I think people go. Right. Like I think a lot of book fans do go as well. But like definitely. I would say the vast majority of people that I met had seen a film or mostly the films. And then you'd have and like when you when you met people who had read the books and even kind of less often when you met people who had read the books and then like knew something about her life and had read books about her or could kind of hold up a discussion. That that was a real treat, but it didn't happen Mm -hmm. a lot. And most of the time you were. you you were kind of trying to get people to engage with the history side because the only part they'd kind of previously had any interaction with was like the beautiful films where the houses are big and like there's all the balls and the music and like the whole time you're in there as well the music that's being pumped through it soundtracks from the films so you know and you'll be sat there and then like five women one after the other will come up to you and say, I walked down the aisle to this. And it's like the main theme from Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice.
1: (laughs) Of course, of course it is. (laughs) Did you get any um, like misconceptions or like just people come in with like weird questions about Jane Austen? No. Or ideas about Jane Austen?
0: No, because like, to be honest, I like a lot of the people that I met, didn't care okay and so actually uh, what uh, what was interesting uh, and also you know becoming jane had just come out okay uh, so what i what i was battling against a lot was everyone uh, was the idea that um pride and prejudice was autobiographical i think that was the most common thing i encountered
1: okay gotcha oh and there is that other thing that Colin Firth may have written Pride and Prejudice.
0: Yeah, but I didn't, they didn't say that to me. That's like a okay. center, like a center legend that's kind of like, okay, that's sprung up. Um, gotcha. Do you know what, what I found interesting that Lauren said uh, was the idea that people aren't talking about it? Because I don't know, my experience through doing this podcast and through the people that we've spoken to, people bloody love it. Yeah. They love Bath. Now, that might, that might be different now because the censor's there. So I don't know how much, mm-hmm. I imagine the festival being there is, has really changed that kind of landscape, the the way people talk about Jane Austen in relation to different parts of the country.
1: Yeah, yeah I think I know so. like
0: Everyone we talk to is like, London, Bath, Brighton. It's like, hey, what? what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people do like it. I mean, again, which is something that we touched on in our Bath episode, It's like when you are there, it is easy to transport yourself back in time. And it is a beautiful city. It's, I mean, when I went there on my honeymoon, it was for the whole city. It wasn't just for Jane Austen. I mean, just I visited the baths and I did all the touristy stuff and it was gorgeous. And um, it just like was a great, great setting for just a honeymoon. It was like in October and it was beautiful. And yeah, um, I highly recommend it as a city. But, um, yeah, it's just that debate. Like, does it bring you closer to Jane Austen? I think,
0: yeah. if, you, I think if you went... I, I had never set foot inside the Jane Austen Centre before my interview. Mm-hmm. But, and again, I, I think my experience of joining the Centre as a member of staff was different to Lawrence as well in that I, I was a huge fan, like, I was gushing. In my interview, mm-hmm. I was just like, I've read all the books multiple times. Like, I've been to the locations where it's been filmed. Like, I've read books about her. Like, I'm, I'm very invested and very interested. Um, so I think for me, the thing that brought me closer to Jane Austen, and I don't know that I'd be doing this podcast if I hadn't worked there. Like, truthfully, yeah. because the thing that it encouraged that I think is massively taken for granted is the fact that I was... I was encouraged so much to build on what I knew. So re- mm-hmm. re-read her books, like, just, like, we had a, like, a fairly extensive, like, staff library of books about Jane Austen and her letters and stuff that you could, like, take out and read and different biographies and, like, collections of essays and just really, like, d- don't just sit there, don't be idle. Like, if you're going to sit down, like, get get stuck. Right. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: definitely... Being at the Jane Austen Centre brought me closer to it. And I would like to think that people that visited while I worked there um, were closer to her by the end.
1: I mean, that one woman wanted to tip you.
0: Yeah, she well, I was very good. Yeah. <laughs> apart, you know, apart from the times where I thought I had a bad group, so I would say to them that she was a naval spy. No way. I said that, I think I said that four times in the time that I worked there. Yeah.
1: I think we should continue to perpetuate that myth.
0: It was just like a joke. It's because she would like she would follow the lists and you know there's that scene in um Persuasion where they're kind of sitting around following the career of Captain Wentworth and like looking up the ships that he served on and stuff and mm-hmm. Jane Austen was very interested in her brothers' careers um and would love you know she like she followed it and so i think the idea that i i wanted that i was playing around with was just that she knew more about it than her family and that actually she's using Mm -hmm. that information as a spy but no one ever laughed at that joke it wasn't funny um and i also don't think anyone was really listening to me so (laughs) (laughs) i don't know because i also said welcome to the uh, charlotte Bronze center once and no one batted an eyelid so wow wow
1: I Can so, I admit um, this? They
0: can't retroactively fire me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's
0: why I was so mad when I feel like I've said all of this before in the podcast, but when that person wrote on the TripAdvisor that the staff just give you like a talk that you could get off Wikipedia,
1: it, uh, it yeah. No, I yeah. didn't. No, I didn't. You really didn't. No, you were a professional. Um, <laughs> I. Jane Austen was a naval spy. I feel like you should rewrite your Jane Austen um, speech that you would give at the Jane Austen Centre and you should like perform it for the podcast. But like throw in a bunch of random things and things that you've learned since doing the podcast.
0: I don't know, because remember the issue is is that the talk is meant to last for 12 minutes and mine would last for like 17 to 19 minutes, which really pushes on oh. the time frame of getting everyone in and out of that room. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, there's no time frame on this There's spot. no time frame. Oh gosh, I don't, now I feel like that's
0: too much to say. Yeah, I could, I could work on it. I talk too much about the naval brothers. That was always my thing, is that I thought Frank and Charles were like super interesting.
1: Well, you have to do a whole like naval episode, like maybe in season three. I'd love to do a naval episode. Mm. Yeah, we should plan to do that. Um, I will say after receiving your feedback from the survey, thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you for doing that. <laughs> was so great. On the and... edge of
0: my seat reading it. I really <laughs> oh, I was just no. waiting to for the cries of stop swearing or fire Hannah. That's that's what
1: no. it was. Yeah, I thought that would be like the Everyone last question. Was so great and even the stuff that was like constructive criticism, it's stuff that we've actually talked about quite a bit before. Um, so yeah, I felt like we were just really on track with what everyone was saying. There was quite a few calls for middle March. You guys want us to talk about George Eliot. And that's definitely something we've sort of been discussing. And, um, Mary Shelley, which actually we had already tentatively put down for October to discuss Frankenstein and the life of Mary Shelley, which is fascinating. Mary Shelley honestly, like, deserves her own series. (laughs) Um, but, um... Yeah, like I feel like we were on on board with you guys, like all your suggestions. And of course, we are doing uh,
0: Francis Hodgson, Hodgkin, Bernie
1: Hodgson. What's, we can't say her name. What's middle. her name? <laughs> Secret Garden her is her last name. Secret Garden. Oh We're not going to touch the Secret Garden, just like Louisa May Alcott. Louisa May Alcott. We're not going to actually <laughs> touch Little Women or the Secret Garden, where we we might watch them, but we are actually going to discuss their lesser-known works, which I think will be um, a really great read and really good discussion. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of exciting things planned for season two. I'm very I'm very happy with it. There's still a good mix of Jane Austen and Bronte material in there. God knows we have our Emily 200 plans, but um yeah, we are branching out to other authors and um, we heard you loud and clear too. More live tweets of movies like that. Uh, that will be happening. Yeah.
0: That's nice. More of us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and more of us.
0: <laughs> yeah. Guys. Now Lauren, before we wrap this baby up in a blanket and then put it in a basket and send it down the river. Um, uh-huh. if you, were a character at the Jane Austen Center, what name would be on your
1: badge? Ooh, so I'd have to pick someone from the books then. Yeah, preferably I mean, Jane be,
0: Austen's books.
1: Could I be Miss Bates? Yes. Thank you.
0: I, I was thinking that I would be like someone who's like a less known character as well. Like maybe Mary Musgrove. Mm-hmm. So someone who's I like a little bit ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and like also um well also that you can comment on the characters. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You know, like I you just can kind of like I, I feel could like I talk about Emma. with the
0: protagonist.
1: Yeah, I know. Same. I I have more of an affinity towards like sort of, you know, supporting characters, and that's one of the reasons I do like Austin so much because her supporting characters are so strong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also when I just I just think I'm, I'm too noisy and clumsy and a bit silly. So if I was anyone, I I'd, it would probably be like a Mary or like at, at a stretch, like Lydia Bennett. But I'm too old Ooh. to be Lydia. That's the thing. I was like closest Divisive. in terms of how my personality would come across. I'd say Lydia Bennett. But in terms of age, Mary Mosgrove. <laughs> and I'm constantly sick. I could just be there like wrapped in a blanket, snotting in a
1: tissue. And it would be. I think that would be great. I love it. So Hannah, if our listeners want to tell us who they would be at the Jane Austen center, where, um, or how, how should they do this? You
0: can slide into our DMS, you can slither in,
1: uh, on Mm -hmm.
0: Instagram and Twitter. You can find us there at bonnets at dawn. You can email us bonnets at dawn at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook by joining our closed group just search bonnets at dawn guys you know how facebook works i need to i need to tell you this
1: yeah and it's a great group everyone's uh you know just we share some articles we have nice discussions come on over and if you work in a literary
0: home or a museum or something tell us the juicy gossip tell us like the weirdest thing that has
1: happened oh my god because mine yeah, used to be. We will read it out anonymously. You don't have to tell us where you were. Yeah, don't, don't, Actually, act, don't if tell you us work, <laughs> If you work anywhere and you just want to tell us the gossip, let us know.
0: I used to get really scared vacuuming, um, opening up in the morning or like vacuuming at the end of my shift at the at the center, because it has mm-hmm. like those mannequins in it. And I'm scared of mannequins. So I was always <laughs> sure that I'd see one moving and people just come to walk life walk quietly, you know, so I'd be like, oh no, it's no one, it's no one, it's just a mannequin. And then it would move because it wasn't a mannequin. It would be like one of my colleagues.
1: So <laughs> yeah. I understand. I um, I would sometimes walk from one end of the art institute to the other to leave. Like if I was there late, like working at an event and like everything would be turned off, but you knew there were security cameras and people were like watching you as you walk through the museum. And one night, I'm sure it was just a guard doing his rounds, but like, off in the uh, contemporary art section there was just this light flickering and then I was like is that part of an exhibit is oh, that man. someone yeah. what's wrong and I like started walking towards it and I just heard this like scraping sound and then I was like no I just need to go I'm just going and I like ran out
0: we should just stay here all night telling each other spooky stories <laughs> <laughs> exactly bye guys we've got spooky stories bye. to tell bye yeah, we've got stuff to talk yeah. about bye <laughs>